0: Are you looking for a comprehensive and convenient online health fitness training platform? Look no further than Vikido Fitness Academy. With a variety of programs designed to meet your needs, this platform offers everything from weight loss and wellness group coaching programs to an emotional intelligence course. You'll learn what to eat in order to achieve optimal health and energy levels, You'll have access to exercise training, live coaching meetups with myself, Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and other instructors, as well as support and accountability throughout your journey. Whether you prefer to work out at home or at your favorite gym, Vicky Doe Fitness Academy makes it easy to follow along with their programs. So get started on your journey to better health and fitness. Visit vikidoefitness.com forward slash VDF Academy. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics. Our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 95. A special report came out focusing on the GLP-1 agonist plateau, in which no one is talking about. Patients that are taking semaglutide injections, such as Ozempic and Wegovi, are hitting a plateau after months of losing weight. This is not a surprise to physicians, but patients are a surprise. A study shows that cancer survivors who meet exercise guidelines have reduced mortality. All this and more, on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks. Vicki Doe, how are you? How are you? What's going on? I'm
1: doing great. Just, you know, this work is just, and and this, this COVID thing is just, I don't know if Dr. Nate has been talking to you about that, but yes. we're just... It's getting we're, back. We're, it's getting, it's coming back. Yeah. People need to sort of pay attention Pay attention. Uh, You know, we're coming back into the time where we're putting our coming close in close contact with people. So, yeah.
0: I know. Right. Yeah. So so we have to keep that in mind. And yeah. Yeah. It is going into October, so you're right. It is. It's going to start being chilly. Everybody needs to be careful. Everybody needs to be careful. You're right. But we are here today. We are here. Yes, we are. And today, every time I look, we keep going up on our episodes. But today, (laughs) today is episode 267. And today we talk about hot topics and research articles that we think are worth looking at and talking about. Our topic today is what's new? Hot Topics number 95. Now, there is a special report that has come out about the GLP-1 agonist that, you know, there's a plateau. No one's talking about it, really. But it seems that folks are taking the semaglutide injections, you know, such as uh, Ozempic and Wigovi, and they're hitting a plateau After months of losing weight. Now, physicians are saying that patients are surprised by that. But the physicians are also saying, well, the patients are seeing that medication, as we all know, has limits, right? It can only do so much. But they're also seeing, and we'll find that out with the article, that every patient is different. You know, their overall response to semaglutide. Now, I'm going to add to it, you know, that's why lifestyle change is important. Because you use the semaglutide as a jumpstart to get you in the mindset to do the exercise and the um, nutrition and the eating right and all the other stuff that goes with lifestyle changes. And so this article is going to be great because it's going to be talking about the plateau and all of that. Now, we also have research studies that show that there is a reduced mortality seen in cancer survivors who meet the exercise guidelines. Survivors classified as exercisers in a study, they had 25% reduced risk of all-cause mortality. And so that's important for us to really look at too. And we're gonna look at other articles as well on this episode and much more on this our show. It's all about health and fitness, Vicky Doe Fitness. And as per usual, Um, Dr. D. Banks will tell us, you know, hey, what's the latest, if anything is happening with the COVID vaccine or flu or other things that we have to do to protect ourselves. And if she doesn't have anything to say, we kind of like that, too, because we get kind (laughs) of we get kind of nervous, you know what I mean? Right. right? right and so we want you to make sure you stay tuned to this episode and so what do you say d yeah it's kind of funny yeah it was sort of funny um
1: uh, anytime anybody sees me i ran into a store today and i had my lab coat on and they and it had infectious diseases and they were like are you carrying any infectious disease
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lordy! i lordy. know we we we, we we seem to be trying to get on point now because you just know. never know right You just never know. Now, make sure, folks, that you subscribe to this podcast. It's all about health and fitness, Vicky Doe Fitness, on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher is now Pandora. Pandora took over Stitcher, so you're going to listen on Pandora, Spotify, or on any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. And when you subscribe, you will be notified first, When we post a new show, you will be able to listen, learn, and experience our shows where we bring in other guests. We talk about things that are important for our health and our well-being in our community. And as you know, we do not just talk about our physical health. We talk about other things that we can do to preserve our mental health as well. We believe in total well-being. That means having a holistic approach. healthy living. So make sure you do not miss any of our shows and subscribe today. And last but not least, go on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five star rating and review for this show, because that is how we grow and we increase our listeners and we appreciate you. And as always D, what do we say? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Well D it's been a busy week for me. I know it's been one for you as it well. Yes. Really what you been doing? Well, you know, this weekend on top of getting ready for our upcoming event which is in two weeks it's, yeah uh, uh healthy heart healthy living october the 14th 7 30 to 3 30 for uh, folks out there listening go find out com forward slash register but on top of that i'm going to go we're going to uh, rile up some of the family um bring them up anybody that can come and we're going to go down to um, Dayton, Ohio to celebrate my uncle Junior's 95th birthday. Fantastic. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's all excited for us to come. He's always texting me and saying, oh are you sure you can get this address so he's sending me the address to where he, he and his uh wife who's my auntie kathy aunt kathy they're in um assistant living place in dayton ohio so my cousin jackie from chicago she's she's um throwing it for her father and leslie my other cousin and so it, it's going to be great to kind of go down there just for a quick minute and yeah. celebrate with him. You yeah, know? Dayton's a nice city. It's really, I went to college down near Dayton in
1: Cincinnati. And Dayton was kind of, you know, uh, but I was down there a couple of weeks. Well, no, actually, I was down there mm-hmm. um, last May to re up my um, global entry. And it was nice, nice restaurants. You know, they've got an art museum down there. So, they they are they are really movers and shakers and mm-hmm. another friend of mine was um called me they're getting ready to do a big African American art thing in
0: 2024 so yeah they're yes. movers and sh- moving and shaking and they have a beautiful company the Dayton Contemporary Dance Company that's out okay. of there, and they've they, they've had they've had a long history and legacy. Their company, their dance company, also yeah, like you said, they have you know, all of us have had issues with economy, you know, the economics and getting back on our feet. But they they right. seem to be in the right direction. You see a lot yeah. of stuff going on there, so mm-hmm. that's I a good thing. I think they have good leadership. They have good leadership. Their mayors and. They've really done a lot to try to improve the economic well-being of the city and people. That's Mm -hmm. it. That's exactly it. And so, yeah, so we'll be down there enjoying. And so we'll talk about that next time we we meet because he always has something exciting for us to to talk about and for us to you know because he's constantly reading and doing his thing so i can't wait to see him (laughs) very nice very very nice yes indeed yeah so what are you doing this week or what did you do last week last
1: week i mean actually yesterday Uh which is more recent, um, mm-hmm. Dr. Manuel Bautista, who's a pulmonary doctor here, yes. at maybe about twice a year usually has something called Docs for a Cause. Yes. And I participated in every one of them. And last night there was another one uh-huh. at Stage the Square restaurant that we both love yes. called Docs for a Cause. And this time the money went towards Down Syndrome. Okay. The Down Syndrome uh, Society organization. Yes. And they had parents there who had kids who had Downs and you know, Down syndrome is a whole nother oh, yeah. disease. I mean, a lot of those kids didn't make it until adulthood, but now, you know, medicine has in, improved their longevity. A lot of them had congenital heart problems, but you know, medicine has improved their longevity. And actually there were a couple kids that they were in YSU because their parents had fought for them to be mainstreamed into the school system. Oh
0: awesome. Yeah, they had awesome. to fight
1: for that, you yeah. know? They had to really fight for them to mainstream their kids and not put them those kids into like a, you know how they oh do I know, yeah children. yes. And you hate to say it too, not just with mental challenges, raising ethnicity challenges, you have to fight to get your kids. Oh I know. You know that kind of thing. So I we were I was laughing. One of the moms I said, There's nothing worse than a mama bear. So um, <laughs> so yeah, it was really nice. I'm sure they had over two hundred I wanna guess that maybe they had two hundred and fifty people there last night.
0: Okay, wow. So it was
1: very, very well attended. So I did bartending, that was fun. Yeah. I tried not to drink up the profits, but <laughs> It was funny when Otavio was introducing because we had like a little huddle of the doctors. Doctor Tanya Farmer was there. Okay, okay. Our friend. Okay. She was there. Um we had fun. She was waiting tables. And okay. I I did the bartending and, and when Otavio introduced, he said, and then you're gonna go to have a drink with Dr. D Banks, and that'll be one for her and one for you and two for her, and one for you, and three for her, and one <laughs> Oh, that's funny I said, oh, Tommy, oh, stop it stop it. <laughs> it was really really fun but you know that's hard work that's very hard work um yeah doing yeah. that you gotta gotta be on
0: your you gotta be on your p's and q's so, you gotta yeah. be on your p's and q's yes yeah. yes so that's what I did. Well, that's good, D. And yes, I went to the one that they had last time when it was at the Bistro downtown.
1: yes. I was there, too. Right. We had a good time. I remember that one. Yeah. I yes. was I bartended at
0: that one as well. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So good. Kudos to you, D. Thank you. Giving back a little good, as
1: uh, Frankie Halfaker would say, doing a little good in the neighborhood.
0: Doing a little good in the neighborhood. Yes, indeed. Well, what? is going on this week D everything everything e- everything well this is healthy aging month and every September the US Department of Health and Human Services recognizes healthy aging month to promote ways people can stay healthy as they age and so if you go to their website they go more into it but they explore their efforts to promote health for older adults, you can go and what I should say is you can go to their website and explore their efforts to promote health for older adults. There's a bookmark for the Healthy People 2030 Healthy Aging Custom List. You can share their Move Your Way materials. That's on there for those of us that are out there in the community. This is a resource page that you can go to, Move Your Way. Or you can check out the Physical Activity Guidelines for Americans, a mid-course report. All of these things, all of these resources are on this page because it is the what can I say the reason to do all this that's the health and human service reason is that we are aging gracefully now we're living longer so we might as well be healthy and age gracefully they talk about all the strategies about you know, how to help older uh, adults stay active. And so I love the Move Your Way because it includes dancing. And we all know that every time I go out talking about moving, I'm always saying that dance is the most easiest way to get people involved in moving because most people love to get up and dance, you know, even if they they might be the closet dancer, you know, they, they're they somewhere doing something, a moving you know, to the music. And so I love it because this this initiative is called Move Your Way. And there's materials and resources, but it says walk, run, dance, play, what's your move? And it says everyone needs physical activity to stay healthy, but it can be hard to find the time in your busy routine. And so that's why you have the Move Your Way. They have tools and videos and fact sheets on this page. And this page has tips that make it easier to get a little bit more active and it says small changes can add up to big health benefits no matter who you are you can find safe fun ways to get active to move your way so whichever way you like to move you can do that so go to www.health.gov forward slash move your way and so when we look at physical activity it makes your You know, it can make your daily life better. And so it's important that we really think about getting more active and start feeling better right away. Some of the things that we boast about exercise and how beneficial it is, it is beneficial because it boosts your mood. You know, you can be in a bad mood and you get up and start dancing and moving around. And next thing you know, you forgot about what you're mad about. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it boosts your mood. It sharpens your focus. A lot of times when we're sitting, especially with me, I'm sitting, I gotta write a lot of stuff. I gotta do a lot of stuff. Even just taking a a small break, getting up, you know, for five minutes and, and do like this, ah, you know, get that blood flowing. It's just, it it sharpens your focus. Then you can get back on focus. Also, exercise is great. It reduces your stress. You know, when somebody get on your everlasting damn nerves. Last uh, nerve. Get up. Last nerve. That's it. Get up, dance, go for a quick walk. You go back and, and your stress has decreased at least a little bit, taking it down a notch. And then also, you know, a lot of times and research has shown that if you take time to exercise and be active during the day, it will improve your sleep. You will get a chance to at least do a little bit better with your sleep. So I want all of you guys to go. Go to www.health.gov forward slash move your way for more information and resources so that we can really this is September we rolling in hey this is the last week of September we rolling into October October is a good month I love that month anyways especially up here in Northeast Ohio to get out there it's not too hot to get out there and start walking maybe do a walk jog in your park at home you know get on that treadmill the bike get some music on dance you know how y'all say what do you say Alexa? turn on whatever you got right and get up there and start dancing and so that is that what do you have to add to that d not a thing that just pretty much says it all you know especially if you're you know
1: doing sedentary things just getting up and like you say just moving i mean of course with me i'm walking pretty much during the day but you know i I, sometimes i just made like it's small things i'll go up and down my driveway you know i haven't like done cardiovascular all day so i'm going to go up and down my driveway to do a little cardiovascular you know and that again improves your mood like
0: yes yes and
1: stress level yes
0: indeed getting that heart pumping right a little bit faster right yes indeed and it's also uh people don't also realize, you know, people always want to go through all this stuff for detoxing. And that's yeah. cool, too. That's cool, too. Mm-hmm. But if you get on there and work out a sweat, that's the best detoxing. It's the best. Yeah, Absolutely. because you're sweating all of the toxins out of your body. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, the latest, D I saw... And I've been really kind of excited about Tiger Woods looking Me at his too. son. Look at his Me
1: son. Too. Oh, my yeah. God. I saw that. I don't know. I guess it came up on Facebook because I didn't see it on the news. But mm-hmm. I said to you today, Tiger Woods caddies and son Charlie comes through at big tournament. Now, we know he's been grooming him for the last couple of years. We've seen them on the father-son tournaments and yes. all of that. So we know he's been grooming Charlie. And Charlie's quite good. Mm-hmm. So Tiger Woods may not be playing any time soon, but his son is working his way up through the golf ranks. Tiger Woods is still strutting over golf courses, but now he's carrying clubs, not swinging them. Woods is on the bag for son Charlie as the younger Woods won the 14 to 15 age division of the Notay and Notay was one of Tiger's best back in the day. They went to um, Stanford together Mm. and Note Begay is actually Native American.
0: Mm -hmm. It
1: was the Note Begay National Championships, last chance regional. Charlie Woods fired a one under seventy one to ship to take a share of the league. Then backed that up with a six under sixty six to win his division. He'll now go on to play in the championship scheduled for early November on the Koasati Pines course in cushata Casino Resort in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. You can watch Charlie dressed in red of course drain an eight footer Wow! To close out the wind below. Mm-hmm. Well, that was in the film. In the in the uh, it
0: was in the film on the video. Yes, uh-huh. with
1: a familiar face looking on in the background. Charlie Wood spoke with local media afterward, and his voice and cadence were eerily familiar, even if he didn't quite control the interview the way his old man once did. Ask about his father caddying for him. Charlie couldn't have been happier. It's great. We just stay in our own. I saw this, and I love this quote. We just stay in our own little world. He said. Mm-hmm. We take it one shot at a time he puts me in my place mm-hmm. I'll talk about the next T shot and it's like no this is a shot we're going to
0: focus on focus up that is what we're gonna do i love it i know right i love it right and he has the same he has the same you know how tiger would pull his uh hands up and do all this stuff he does the same moves of his dad just so so weird yeah (laughs) good for charlie
1: i expect him to follow you know the apple does not fall far from the tree Yes, indeed. And I expect uh, him to be all the, the following his father's footsteps. He's got
0: the genetics. Big time, big time. So, yeah, that's going to be something great to watch. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it's going to be, be some... good. Yes, it is. Well, D, what's the latest? Uh, you said that you, you know, didn't have it. There's no but... latest. As you said, when
1: you don't have the latest, that's good. Uh, they're finally, <laughs> slowly, slowly, you know, after sort of a slow start, and getting them, themselves together, pharmacies and so forth. Uh, scheduling people for the COVID vaccine and the flu shots are moving right along. I would encourage everybody to you know, talk to your doctor, make sure, you know, everybody from the age of six months on is eligible to take the flu shot. And the same thing with the COVID vaccine. RSV vaccine is a little different. I would encourage everybody to talk to your personal physician to see if you are a person that might benefit from RSV.
0: So yeah, that's the latest. All right. Well, thank you, Dee. You are welcome. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe Consulting Co, doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life, By taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at vickidofitness.com. To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vickidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we discuss research articles and hot topics. And our topic today is what's new, hot topics number 95. Now Dee, you gonna start us off with this one? Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna talk about the new hot drugs. Well, they're
1: not so new. They've been around for a long time, but they've mostly been used primarily for diabetes. And like with a lot of drugs, they stumbled on the fact that these drugs not only help with diabetes, but they've also created, uh, cause weight loss. So there the GLP-1 agonist plateau no one's talking about. Weight stabilization is no surprise for specialists. For patients, it's more complicated. The decline in body weight that patients experience with injectables like semiglutide, Ozempic and Wegovy, and Munjaro, tirzepatide. no exception to the concept that nothing lasts forever eventually everybody reaches a plateau even on the newer glp-1 receptor agonist and my thing about this Mm -hmm. vicky it's just like Mm -hmm. when people are dieting or trying to lose weight or whatever your body is always going to get in the mode of you're not going to starve me to death
0: yes
1: your body has a set it's a set point Mm -hmm. you call it a set point Mm -hmm. where your body is at a point where it's it is Made to protect itself. Yes. And whether you use an Ozempic or whether you use a Wegovy, I'm not surprised about this plateau like you hear about mm-hmm. with other diet, lifestyle, diet changes or whatever. Mm-hmm. So eventually everybody reaches a plateau, even on the newer GLP 1 receptor agonist. Mm-hmm. It's a phase at which the body reaches a new set. I just said that. I
0: hadn't even read that yet. Yes. Sett- uh-huh. the sett- yes. They call it settling point. Yeah. We call it. Okay. We Call yeah, it the that set was I thought shoot I thought I had that idea Yeah right, we call it then. the set point <laughs> In, in exercise point. physiology, we call it the set point theory. There's a set point Yes, theory. yes, yeah. yes. I got that from you. Mm-hmm. And so the settling
1: point specialist said, and weight along with other metabolic markers like blood pressure and hemoglobin A1C stabilize or fluctuate only slightly. For some, this may mean a gradual increase in appetite or food noise. Others may be able to maintain their current state. Studies have shown that on average, this plateau happens at a little over a year with semiglutide. Mm-hmm. Even so, physicians say some patients are surprised to learn that there's a limit to what these meds can do. Mm -hmm. Everyone will plateau, of course. No one on my watch has disappeared. No one has vanished, said Dr. Jody Duchesne, an endocrinologist at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston, she told MedPage today. It's alarming to me that people find that surprising, but Mm -hmm. everyone will reach a plateau, and there's no way to know when you start the medication, what percent weight loss that will be and how quickly they will reach it. Mm-hmm. jitanjali Srivasta, doctor, an obesity medicine specialist at Vanderbilt in Nashville, Tennessee, noted that we we see that often, and it's a question that gets asked frequently. There's a going. There's going to be a home, a new homeostatic balance that's achieved, and we see that with any other disease phenomenon. For example, Srivastava said today that a patient will not become hypertensive after a certain amount of time on a blood pressure medication or have blood blood glucose levels decrease indefinitely with diabetes medications. Evolutionarily, we need to be able to do that so we can protect against extremes, she said, because the alternative is that you continue to wither away and that can be dangerous. So your body's not going to let let, yeah. it, let you kill itself.
0: No, no, no. It's so not.
1: it's still unclear what may predispose patients to longer or shorter responses to the GLP-1 antagonist. But Duche said that. Typically, early responses tend to predict later ones, but patient experiences steep weight loss on lower doses of semiglutide. For example, they can stay on a lower dose for longer, with more time to up titrate if necessary. Patients on semiglutide for type 2 diabetes also tend to experience less weight loss overall. Mm-hmm. Okay. Carl Nadalowski, doctor, an endocrinologist and obesity medicine specialist at Holland, Hospital in Michigan, where they have a wonderful tulip festival every year, yeah. told MedPage in an email that a history of childhood obesity with a suspicion of specific genetic or syndrome etiology may also hint to a predisposition to hyporesponsive, to it being hyporesponsive. Mm-hmm. Specialists have said that before prescribing this class of medication, they thoroughly discuss what to expect, side effects to plateauing and the possibility of non-response. Duches noted that it's important important that providers set these expectations with patients and for patients to seek out doctors who have the time and clinical experience to do so. In clinical trials known as step one and step two that looked at semiglutide at a dose of 2.4 milligrams per week, participants' weight loss tapered off around week 60 with about 10 to 15% of body weight loss. Semiglutide's effect on blood pressure and hemoglobin A1C appeared to plateau even earlier. In step five, spanning two years, patients hit a weight plateau once again around 60 weeks, and were able to maintain that weight for the remainder of the study, in which the Sermont trials, which looked at various doses of tirzepatide, now that's Monjaro, which they say is, has a better weight loss response, okay. for 72 weeks, patients on the five milligram dose mm. had reached a plateau within 60 to 72 weeks. But this was not the case on the higher doses. A two-year trial is expected to offer more insight. However, clinicians are more interested in what such in what such averages hide. It's nearly impossible to know how well a patient will respond to semiglutide or tirzepatide and individuals may have wildly different medical histories, medications and comorbidities that all affect how well and for how long a given drug may work. Fatima Cody Stanford, an obesity medicine specialist at Mass General in Boston, pointed out that a patient's expectation may not match their ultimate response to the GLP-1 agonist. Everybody comes in and they're like, Mm -hmm. I wanna do what this person did. Mm -hmm. They have their family, their friend, their sister, their brother, cousin, aunt. And I'm like, well, we don't know, she said. Only people that I expect to respond are identical twins. Mm Mm-hmm. Stanford said she would like to see studies on GOP agonists in the future that stratify patients' response by various characteristics like genetics. Right now, she said weight loss drugs require a lot of trial and error, predicting the likelihood of success for individuals would save time and money. When a new cancer drug comes out, not everyone's like, ooh, there is a new cancer drug, let's just everyone <laughs> start on that, right? Nobody does that. I wanna know who the drug is right for. Mm-hmm. If I know that on average, This person is going to be a really poor responder to GLP-1 agonist. I won't prescribe it, she said. It's a really arduous pathway for a lot of reasons. Access, coverage, prior authorization is burdensome. It's burdensome on the patient. It's burdensome on the system. It's burdensome on me. Experts say it's common for patients to want more. For example, they may bring their blood sugar within a normal range, go off of blood pressure meds and maintain overall positive health outcomes with GLP-1 agonists, but hit a plateau and still want to lose weight. Mm. Ultimately, this is where psychological and societal ambitions collide with clinical ones. Patients are having to negotiate what, with what society tells them. So they're 200 pounds and society says, for your weight and height, you should be 125. Well, not, mm-hmm. even though their health looks amazing, said Stanford. Not always, but often they still want to be whatever this number is. Mm-hmm. Duches said it's rare for patients to achieve the weight loss goal and they arrive at an initial consult with. Often, Duches noticed that um, this goal is the weight they were on their wedding day. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that some of it is literally that they want to weigh what they weigh on their wedding day. But I think there is a big component of, I want to rewind time. That's true. Mm. I've almost never had someone hit a plateau when they were like, okay, I'm good. In the meantime, clinicians have strategies to move past Mm -hmm. the plateau if a patient hasn't yet important goals. How about exercise?
0: But thank you. Thank you. And what you eat.
1: Exercise?
0: And what you are eating.
1: How about what you're eating and get up off the couch and exercise? That's not in the article, but that's what I'm saying. Clinicians have strategies to move past the plateau if a patient hasn't yet met important clinical goals. Generally, some said they might increase the dose if possible. If the patient can tolerate it well, failing that, they can supplement with a second drug that targets a different neuronal or hormonal pathway like fenteramine. I think that increases your heart rate. Big time. Touché said that in practice she's noticed that drug holidays are stopping or restarting glp agonists have typically not affected
0: plateaus. so that was a good article that's a good article and the key thing about that article is as usual yeah i mean that's what doctors do and they should do they should really look at the medications and so forth and so on right but at the end of the right. day as we say for lifestyle changes and lifestyle medicine and all that, you use the drugs because you know there's going to be a plateau. Yeah. Plateau, uh, you use the drugs as a jump start, but you got to get out there and do your lifestyle things. You're it eating to be
1: more than that. You can't be eating high plate, big and high, uh, high and high, high and deep. high and deep,
0: yeah, pie, high, high and, deep. and deep. Yes, and you got to exercise, um, use some strength training as far as muscles, and just really pay attention to that because. When you really focus on a lot of what you're eating and your exercise, your, your health, your, your sleep, a lot of these things, these problems that, that we seem are so problematic for our health. They seem to work itself out, right? Because right. you're doing what you need to do. And so, yeah, that comes to chore when you're trying to get all these dosages and medicines. Right. And, but medicine can only do so much. You need to it really can only do so much. You can right. really, really need to focus if you can. You know, it's always great to um, try to focus on your lifestyle. But yeah, that's a that's a good article. D. That was a good article. That was very timely. Yes, because people don't think. Yeah, everybody Mm-mm. they everybody gonna hit wants a quick fix. They want a quick fix, but you are gonna hit a plateau after some minute. Yeah, you got to do some work yourself. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the next article, D. You want to do the the long COVID yeah. one? Okay, I'll do the long COVID.
1: This <laughs> is an article on about one in fourteen U.S. adults have had long COVID. So, this article, what are the key takeaways? Long COVID has affected about 7% of U.S. adults and 1% of children under 12. Women, young adults, the less wealthy and rural or small town residents are more likely to report long COVID and doctors are still grappling to define long COVID and come up with effective treatment. So there was a survey, 2022 National Health Interview survey. The survey published Tuesday on an NCH, HS data brief also found that certain groups are more likely to develop long COVID. Women, young adults, the less wealthy, and people, again, as I said, living in rural areas in small towns. Children have been less likely to develop the syndrome, the survey found. A little more than 1% of all U.S. children have ever had long COVID and about a percent, half of a percent, continue to have it. Long COVID involves clusters of different symptoms that affect different parts of the body. These symptoms include brain fog, chronic fatigue, continuing cough, heart palpitations, headaches, difficulty sleeping, depression, or anxiety. Researchers remain in the dark about long COVID and how many people actually suffer lingering symptoms, said doctor. I know him, said okay. Dr. Amesh Adhijia. He was one of my medical students when I was at Allegheny General way back in the day and now he's a big shot at Johns Hopkins Center for Security. Okay. That's Dr. Amish Adhijia. Okay. So we're really still scratching the surface when it comes to long COVID, Adhijia said. We're still using very blunt tools and definitions and lack a diagnostic test. It is thought that long COVID symptoms vary among people because it's caused by the different ways the coronavirus attacks different organ systems in the body, the brain versus the heart versus the lungs, for example. It may be the case that long COVID, which is an umbrella term, represents several different conditions. There are some hypotheses regarding cause which are being investigated currently, but there is much we don't know, said Adesha. We have some general ideas about who is at risk, and some correlations with certain blood markers, but it will be some time before science and medicine have a clear understanding of what it is, of what is a very nebulous condition," he said. For the survey, the U.S. National Center for Health Statistics polled about 27,600 adults and 7,400 children across the nation. Adults and children were asked if they had any symptoms lingering three months or longer that they didn't have prior to their COVID infection. Hispanic and white Americans were more likely than Asian or black Americans to develop long COVID. Wealthier families were less likely than middle-class and poor families to have a member with long COVID. The surveys also found that adults living in large cities were less likely than those in rural areas or small towns to report long COVID, about 6% compared to 8%. I think it's an interesting finding regarding the metropolitan size, having some correlation with long COVID, said Adesia. I am curious as to what that is, as to what this is a marker for timing of infection, timing of vaccination or the presence of comorbidities. However, Adesia said he was not surprised by the fact that long COVID is less common in children. Mm. The children's survey found that teens 12 to 17 were more likely than young children to report long COVID, 2% compared to 1%. As with women, girls were more likely than boys to develop long COVID. It's been shown that vaccination does protect against long COVID, said Adesia. Data does exist that shows that long COVID is much more common in those who are unvaccinated when they contracted COVID, said Adesha. This is one one reason why everyone should should have been vaccinated, even if they were not in a high risk group for severe COVID. So what this means for you, people who are vaccinated against COVID are less likely to develop long COVID and many Americans with long COVID have have trouble accessing care. Sleep apnea boosts odds for long COVID and long COVID symptoms persist through 12
0: months. That's all right. That's
1: all I have on that. And yeah, it's gonna be very interesting. I think the data is still out there. Johns Hopkins Amish is doing a lot. I know him through Infectious Disease Society, and we want to Zoom one day. And he goes, Dr. Banks, I remember you when I was a student. I remember you teaching us about streptococcal disease. And I was like, wow, you never know who you impact. So here he is at Johns Hopkins. So Isn't yeah, but great? long COVID, we still have a lot to learn. You know, first of all, mm-hmm. this is why I say to people who run around and they're like, oh, I don't really, I'm not going to do anything because I don't really care about whether I get COVID or not. It's mild. You don't want to have long COVID. Yes. And so right now, there's been no correlation about how severe your COVID was. I mean, no real evidence-based, double-blind, randomized trials Mm -hmm. to say how severe or mild your COVID was initially Mm -hmm. and whether you get long COVID in the long run. So Mm -hmm. best not to get it.
0: Yes. Best not to get it. Period. Period. Yes. And so I have increased my execution of Lysol. (laughs) Lysol. (laughs) I have increased my my aim on how I'm going to spray my Lysol and get it right. (laughs) But yeah, so it's like you said, you know, COVID is still here. We just got to figure out how we navigate through it yeah, and, and, exactly. and, and protect ourselves. Yes. Yep. And so our last article we will talk about, it's talking about reduced mortality seen in cancer survivors who meet exercise guidelines. And so survivors classified as exercisers have 25% reduced risk of all cause mortality. And this is found in a study. And so the article says exercise consistent with national guidelines was associated with a significant reduction in all cause mortality in long term cancer survivors, a pan cancer analysis showed in a study involving 11,480 survivors, guideline concordant exercise was associated with a 25% uh, reduced risk of all-cause mortality compared with no exercise at a median follow-up of 16 years from diagnosis. And this was reported by Lee W. Jones who has a Ph.D. and at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City and colleague. In addition, exercise consistent with national guidelines was associated with a significant reduction in cancer mortality as well as mortality from other causes. Our findings show exercise is a holistic strategy that may complement contemporary management approaches to further reduce cancer mortality in select sites while simultaneously lowering the risk of death from other competing causes, which combine to improve ACM, which is all-cause mortality. And this was said by Jones and team, and they wrote it in the Journal of Clinical Oncology. Meeting National Guidelines was defined as engaging in moderate intensity exercise greater than or equal to four days per week with each session averaging at least greater than or equal to 30 minutes in duration and or uh, strenuous intensity exercise. And that's um, at least between greater than or equal to two days per week with each session averaging and this is the strenuous intensity exercise. Each of those sessions averaging greater than or equal to 20 minutes in duration. Not meeting the guidelines was defined as engaging in exercise below the criteria for meeting national guidelines, including zero days of exercise per week. Over the study period, 1,459 total deaths occurred among the 4,374 participants classified as exercisers. That is 33%. While there were 3,206 deaths among the 7,106 classified as non-exercisers. That's 45%. Medium overall survival from diagnosis was 19 years for the exercisers and 14 years for non-exercisers. The five-year cumulative incidence of cancer mortality was 12% for exercisers compared with 16% for non-exercisers. And the five-year cumulative incidence for death from other causes was 2.4% and 6.4% respectively. Exercise is medicine and these results support this. And this was said by Stacy A. Kinfield and June. M. Chan. They have their doctorates in science, their doctorate degree in science, so that's why it's SC. Both of the University of California, they were both at the University of California, San Francisco, in an editorial accompanying the study. This is what they both said. They called the difference in mortality between the groups striking, adding that it underscores that exercise, in addition to standard therapies, is one of the best daily pills cancer survivors can take to optimize their longevity. Jones and colleagues also observed that exercise dose was associated with cancer mortality with a reduced risk among survivors who met and exceeded the guidelines, 25% and 33% respectively. And even among those exercising below those guidelines, 19% compared with non-exercisers. Regarding specific Cancer sites exercise was associated with a reduction in the hazard for all-cause mortality for patients with breast, endometrial, head and neck, hematopoietic. What's that? Or uh, what? blood disease, You know, like leukemias. Or oh, leukemias. Okay, that goes under that category. Okay, prostate and. Okay, yeah. Okay, prostate and renal cancers with those reduced risk ranging from 22% for prostate cancer. 259% for endometrial cancer. Exercise was also associated with a reduction in cancer mortality for those with head and neck cancer and renal cancer. The study also included participants enrolled in the prostate, lung, colorectal, and ovarian cancer screenings trial from November 1993 to July 2001, who had a confirmed diagnosis of cancer and provided exercise data via a standardized survey quantifying exercise after Diagnosis. The median interval between cancer diagnosis and completion of the exercise questionnaire was 4.5 years. Among participants, 62% were defined as non-exercisers, while the remaining 38% were defined as exercisers. Overall, the estimated median time spent on moderate and strenuous exercise per week was 45 minutes and 19 minutes respectively. Kenfield and Chan noted that these figures reinforce the continued need for patient education at the time of diagnosis, and referral to exercise oncology support to increase moderate to vigorous exercise levels. Of the 4,665 documented deaths, 1,940 were, cons- were due to cancer and 2,725 were due to other causes. The most common cancer diagnosis observed during follow-up were prostate cancer, 37%, followed by breast cancer, 20%. Study limitations included that assessments of exercise yeah that's always usually uh, were self-reported which means Mm -hmm. misclassification of exercise exposure was likely furthermore the population sample was largely white with a distribution of cancer sites not representative of the general um, population which introduces selection biases jones and team noted They also pointed out that it is not possible to determine whether exercise reflects lower disease and or treatment related toxicities rather than exercise induced effects or better adherence to a healthier lifestyle. The only way to definitely prove causality is through randomized trials, they added. But. Overall, that's the end of this article. Overall, we can significantly say that exercise is medicine and participating in exercise, whether you are a cancer survivor or not, still reduces your risk of all cause mortality. More and more um, research out there is showing that, you know, no matter what kind of, of disease you may have or you're fighting against if you exercise, you just have a better chance, you know? Right, I agree. Yeah, I, uh, you know, that article I was thinking about, and I think the last comment that you made is
1: the one, the critical one, that no matter what mm-hmm. your situation is exercise is just incredibly better for you than not exercising. I mean, these numbers in this article are very compelling, but Mm -hmm. I would just like, in this study, I'd like, first of all, like they said, Mm -hmm. there was a selection bias. And we know that with healthcare disparities, African-Americans have a whole bunch more comorbidities associated with things. Mm -hmm. And so I'd like to know, you know, so I I don't know whether in this, if you brought up more demographics, what mm-hmm. the, the difference in outcome would be and then secondly like you said exercise is self-reporting mm-hmm. but but even with that the data
0: is compelling it right? is compelling it is
1: very compelling so I mean you have to kind of look at it you can't really look at it with a jaundiced eye I mean those numbers were not like real tiny
0: differences they were major so yeah significant you know, yeah a lot more work
1: needs to be done and it just speaks to the point like you said you got to get up
0: yeah when I was doing cardiac rehab and doing the training and doing the research and all that stuff with cardiac rehab back in the day you know when you had some kind of heart issues they would let you be on bed rest and right. all that kind of stuff shoot not anymore no 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 not these days those those honey days are over Honey, they put yeah. your compression stocks on and tell yeah. you to try to get up. up and walk. Yeah. Even after cardiac surgery,
1: I know in mm. our hospital, after uh-huh. cardiac surgery, you up in a few hours. Yeah. You up sitting at least dangling on the side of the bed.
0: You doing something. No, no. You yes. doing
1: something. There's no more just sitting around, you know, mm-hmm. oh, my chest hurts. Well, it might hurt. Put a pillow. They have these heart pillows. That yes. They need to put on your chest. So you got to keep it moving because, you know, otherwise it's the big association with blood clots. That was the thing that the they've been fighting against for years, yes. you know? Yes. And the same thing with patients with hip fractures. Mm-hmm. you got to
0: get up because those clots have been mm-hmm. associated with the increased mortality of those kind of diseases. Oh, yes. so, yeah. So exercise, I mean, you know, when people say, yeah, well, well, my doctor said on oh, some some people do say, well, my doctor said don't exercise and I always look at him. Well, I don't think he said not to exercise no, right. completely. Exactly. You know, he probably, <laughs> right. he probably, he probably said,
1: said, don't run a
0: marathon. All right. But
1: he didn't say don't
0: exercise.
1: Okay. He I, might have said, don't try to <laughs> swim like a marathoner. All right? He might have said, don't run 25 miles in three
0: hours. But, that's, not exactly what he said. that's it i said i don't know any physician mm, that's gonna I tell you there's
1: a doctor in the world Mm-mm. that has said don't exercise uh-huh. for the patients that have the you know the the worst ejection fractions you can do some 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 yoga some something
0: yoga some something stuff something no, you don't <laughs> have to run a marathon no I know. That's not what he said. But I hear that uh, uh, quite, you'd be surprised how I oh, hear that. You can imagine how they twist what we said. Well, my doctor
1: said, well, Dr. Banks said, and then they come back in. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, that's not, no, that's that's not what I said. Uh uh-uh. Patients I twist. And I'm sure Dr. Doe, we have stories to tell about how he twists what we say. Mm-hmm. Well, he said it was okay for me. No, no. <laughs> and in the back of my, our mind, me and Dr. Doe, no, you are just not
0: non-compliant that's it it's not what we said that's it no i know. Mm -mm. but yeah i get that all the time yeah well my doctor said i should i said really well uh i don't know any doctor that says that but uh i don't think so Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh no 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 but yes d this was a great show and and this is our show so what what kind of tips you have yeah
1: so let's start at the top Talking about the new GLP-1 agonist, and again, you know, no surprise that patients Uh who are using it for weight loss or looking at weight loss using it will quite naturally reach a plateau because of the settling issue, the settling Mm -hmm. point
0: study. Yes. Is that what just called? The settling point, point, they call it, or the set point theory, as we call it. Great. Yeah.
1: Bottom line, your body is not going to let
0: you starve itself mm-hmm. and
1: as she pointed out in this you know a lot of times that weight loss thing gets into now it's more social media what you're supposed to look like should you weigh 125 pounds is that the other so there are a lot of multifactorial yes so um but you know beware that there are other things and bottom line is there's no quick fix there's no quick fix to lose weight uh-huh. you got to do something it's not just going to you give a shot and then the weight just melts off. No, No. if it does, you're in serious trouble.
0: Big time, right? Because you're
1: right. You need to exercise. You need to exercise Mm -hmm. with this. The second one is on long COVID. And the bottom line is, as Dr. Amesh Adija said, we're still working on it. Mm -hmm. You know, we're still looking at some demographics. Children don't seem to have it. Young children, as opposed to say adolescents, women seem to have it more than men. So we'll have to see how that data rolls out. And then our last article on cancer survivors and exercise I mean the data was compelling that though bottom line, those cancer survivors who exercise did better than the ones who didn't exercise, whatever numbers you look at in that article. Bottom
0: line. So again, stressing the point of keep it moving. Keep it moving. That's exactly it. Yeah. Exercise is medicine. We also say let food be thy medicine. So we exactly ca- we cannot, but here's the thing that we have to think about. We cannot put yes medicines are great but we can't put just our regular how we live aside because you have to eat you have to move you have to sleep these are things that we do naturally to survive and so we have to make sure that when we participate in any of these things when it comes to medicines to help you lose weight even with some of the diets and and all of this kind of stuff yes you're going to hit a plateau, but you have right. to think of ways that, especially the holistic way of overcoming that plateau and maintaining your healthy lifestyle. It might not be being size two. Okay? No, that might not be right. Exactly. It might exactly. not be right because you got to think about your muscle tone and your exactly. muscles and your muscle loss when you but do-
1: You don't want to start looking
0: drawn and and haggard,
1: you know, those people that a lot of, you know, a lot of people who start to lose that massive amount of weights, if they're younger, your skin just loses its elasticity as you get older anyway. Mm -hmm. And then you go up there looking like, Mm. You know, you're 10 years older than what
0: you are. So those are the kind of things that you also have to think about. Right. And so that's why we have programs. I'm going to put in a plug for Vicido Fitness. That's why we have programs for weight loss that will help you to lose weight the holistic way and the way that is healthy. There's healthy ways of losing weight that will help with your, your muscle tone, that will help with your weight loss goal. And will help with your your numbers, your type 2 diabetes numbers to decrease that. So you will overcome that, your hypertension that will decrease that. There's ways that you can do with healthy eating and exercise. If the doctor right. tells you you can use your, you need to use the semaglutide, you can do that too. But just be prepared that it's not a miracle worker and I will also say when it comes to cancer survivors, when it comes to living a life of longevity, no matter what you have, exercise can be medicine. You know, you got to move. You know? Exactly. Whether you're dancing, what they say, move your way. Whether you're dancing, exactly. whether you're walking, just move. Whether it's a whole lot, whether it's a little bit little bit right just move right <laughs> absolutely all right and as always for more information go to our website vickidofitness.com and remember if you have any questions comments or just something to say tweet us email us go on facebook and share with us your thoughts <laughs> you've been listening to it's all about health and fitness with dr vicky hayward doe and dr virginia banks bright Vicky Doe is owner of Vicky Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicky by email at info at VickyDoeFitness.com.